Hello, and welcome to another episode of Trekkie and Beyond, a Star Trek podcast. I'm Monika Pinkett. And I'm Andrea, and welcome to episode two. So episode two of Star Trek Discovery starts off exactly where episode one left off. The Klingon ships have arrived, and Georgia has come back to the bridge holding a phaser on Michael because she did the little Vulcan mind, little sleepy thingy on Georgia, and it didn't work. So now we have to remember that push and pull in episode two between the captain and Michael, because Michael wants to do the shoot first and ask questions later, and Georgia wants to do it the Starfleet way of peace first, and they will never be the first to shoot. So I guess we'll find out in episode two who, who was right and who was wrong. And I guess you all know who was right and who was wrong, because... Oh my goodness gracious, Giorgio is dead. She's gone! And I'm so <laughs> mad about that. <sighs> <laughs> like, I can't even. Yes. Like, we only had her for two episodes. They better have her in flashbacks because <laughs> we need to discuss how they, like this episode, this episode, it just goes to show they should have did the shoot first and ask questions later because Michael was right. Michael was right, everyone. So before we get to that little cut part of the whole shocking of everything that happened, Let's do a little recap over the episode of what we saw. So the first one was, I like that we got two flashbacks in this episode to see a little bit more of Michael's history of why she is the way that she is. So the first one is Michael's introduction to Giorgio. What did you think about that when you saw her meet Giorgio for the first time seven years ago? I thought she was very stiff. So mm -hmm. she was playing this whole, you could tell it she was Vulcan between her haircut, her demeanor, her posture, very firm um, and very like matter of fact about everything. Yeah. Even though she had been part of the Starfleet, I think for seven years, she wasn't still acclimated to human culture and being relaxed and friendly tone. <laughs> <laughs> Georgia was being very nice and mm -hmm. it was so matter of fact that it was off-putting and uh, a little tough. Yeah, she definitely, um, I felt like she was trying really hard to be more Vulcan than human um, because she was raised Vulcan for like the last, I guess, however long between the attack on her parents and her showing up on the ship. Um, she had tried so hard to, I guess, be Vulcan that I felt like she was overcompensating with some of her actual actions. Like, like she was literally just being extra for the sake of being extra. And even to the point where even the actual Vulcan had to like, Sarek had to sort of like, hey, <laughs> almost like chill out for just a little bit. Just like, it's okay. Right. Chill. Yeah, she um, told her Yes. First <laughs> <laughs> away, like, behave <laughs> and so that was like an eye-opener for me when it came to her because she definitely in this in like in present time for her she's you would think she's still so stuck up but to see her back then like oh oh my gosh you have really relaxed and you're still so tight but like you're not as stiff as you were so you do see that they did have that growth of how they were, how they grew together before that little push and pull came. But 
it was very interesting. Very interesting to see her like that. I was very, very shocked, but not really. Yeah, it's as soon as she got to the bridge, Michael, it seemed as though she relaxed a little bit because she looked mm-hmm. around. She's like, oh, I don't know if she exactly said it like this, but you could tell in her eyes, like, oh, I'll like it here. Like mm-hmm. once she was there at that spot, I don't know if it was power or the amount of technology because she wasn't um, interested in their, um, the technology she saw earlier, but she was hooked then when she was at the bridge. That is very true. Um, what did you think of the, the Klingons before we go to the second flashback, because now we need to do the, um, cause the Klingons sort of happened before the second flashback. And what did you think about, well, let me, let me backtrack. What did you think about the fact that they, even though she was right, they still put her in the brig, <laughs> even though like she, <laughs> Even well, though I, Klingon started attacking and you could see that she was right, they still put her in the brig. And it was like, she, she was but, right for all the wrong reasons, but she was right. And she did it the wrong way. Right, but she did violate she did. orders for a captain. So yeah. see why they put her in the brig. Uh, I just don't understand how she was able to get out of the brig. We could talk about that in a minute. and connor connor visiting her in the brig i think that's what his name right connor and he just sort of like died it was awful he was hit i think and so then he needed medical attention and he got lost which i don't understand so he found his way into the brig but i don't understand how he got into the brig like there should be some like biosensors that only allow for captains and security to get into the brig, not at his level. I mean, no. They had but already, were, a... they were already <laughs> being attacked. So maybe like the computer, I mean, he was on the brig, like he was on the bridge. So maybe he did have access to it because he was one of the people who do, who like, who has access to the bridge. Um, but you can tell he was not all the way there though. He was not completely understanding what was going on to like the, to the seriousness that he should have because he did have like that head injury um but yeah so the Klingons mean business and what did you think about the different types of Klingons like the different classes of them I thought that was interesting so there's 24 mm-hmm. right four yes. different I thought it was interesting to see I don't know if it's different races within Klingon but mm-hmm. some like I don't ornate jewelry on the mm-hmm. front and then red dye and paint on the face. So it was nice to see diversity within the Klingons. Um, and then I could possibly imagine like work being part of another um, another race. Of Klingon, yeah. Another race of Klingons and that maybe mm-hmm. that's why has hair that's halfway. I don't know, I'm trying to make that connection. <laughs> I have to let that one go. So I'm trying to envision him as part of these Klingons. (laughs) But um, so that was interesting. And it's, I still come back to the fact that this object now known as an artifact is, it's their ceremony, is their place, it's basically their graveyard, basically where the um, 
um, where the Klingons body is their dad. Yeah. And so I believe that that has sentimental value for them and they want to protect their own mm-hmm. and see that I can see the passion within that and wanting to, um, just to maintain that culture and another in the Starfleet happened to land Michael causing all of this happened to land on that artifact <laughs> destroying this home <laughs> and killed a Klingon and started I mean I'll say this I feel like they would have found a way to start the fight with or without her actions the Klingons I felt like they just used it as an excuse but that leader was just he wanted the fight he wanted the fight because Captain Giorgio sent a message saying, like, we apologize, like, it was not intentional. Like, she sent a message to let them know they want peace. This fighting was never what they wanted. And the Klingon just did not want to listen at all. He just, he wanted to fight. Right. Um, to the point which the Admiral, right, came over, the Admiral broadcast a signal to him, and I thought that they had an agreement that... No, that was stupid. I'm sorry. That was stupid. I did not. I was like, Admiral, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> why Why are you believing him? Like, he literally opened fire on you guys and almost destroyed so many of your ships. And you're just going to believe that he's going to have an envoy? Right. I, I was like, don't believe him. Don't believe him. And then when he started glitching, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? And then you saw the ship cut through, right. cut through the Admiral ship. And it was like, why did you trust them when from the get-go they tried to fight? Did you think that they wanted to talk after she already begged them to talk prior to the fight? But remember, the Admiral wasn't listening to Michael in part one. Like he didn't, wasn't. Want to, he didn't want to take her advice at all. No, he didn't. So it ended up leading to his ultimate demise, to his. He's dead. <laughs> like, I just did not. So in the battle with the Klingons, that's when we got to see the second, um, the second flashback with Michael. And we got to see the aftermath of her attack and how Sarek, brought her back basically and so that makes me think that they really did have like a stronger relationship prior to her parents death so that makes me think that maybe he was best friends with her parents unless I just missed that part in the episode that we've seen so far like maybe he was best friends with them really cared about them because um he the mind meld that he did with her was much more intense than any like I've ever seen that than I've ever seen a Vulcan do with another person that wasn't a Vulcan, you know? Like you saw, um, leaving Discovery for a bit, but you saw, you've seen Spock do other things, but I've never seen him do one to that extent of where he was literally using both hands to bring this consciousness girl back to life. And that made me think that he really had to care about her. So he must've had a really close relationship with her parents. And that was a nice little, it was nice to see how much he cared about her because it sort of makes it, it makes you go back to episode one when he, she was talking to him about what to do about the Klingons. And he was like, well, if someone had to die, I'm glad it wasn't you. So it, it's nice to see that relationship that she does have a, that almost parental love from someone after everything that she's gone through. What did you think about that flashback? Yes. And I, it, once again, it's taking me back to that first scene. I think if 
a true Vulcan wouldn't ask an American to behave, not sorry, wouldn't ask a human to behave if it wasn't for the fact that they had some kind of kind of connection. Because that's a behavior, not a fact-based situation. It's it's different. So I think that there's a lot more to their relationship, mm-hmm. and we'll find or over the years um, to get her into Starfleet, or and also to help transition her to Georgia because she didn't need an escort she could yeah. just go by herself there he was like a proud father dropping off his daughter at college yeah <laughs> to her first real job right mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah so the flashback was really cool it's nice to see also a younger version of her and mm-hmm. uh to see um yeah I'm looking forward to seeing her come of age her character oh my goodness <laughs> hold on we're almost there we're almost there so okay. after that first battle with the Klingons and then they destroy the Admiral ship the ship because for some reason Starfleet just believes in peace and they don't believe that people want to kill them because I don't understand that Starfleet Starfleet I don't understand that um look at your history but anyway neither here nor there um Let's talk about um, Michael using Vulcan. I'll, I'm going to give her the Vulcan uh, uh, approval, I guess, whatever the word is, um, that she was able to outsmart the computer into to saving her life. Because <laughs> that was the, 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 the leaps of logic that she made the computer go through. The computer didn't think of herself, but she was like, well, you have to let me out. Well, you're going to die. But if I, like, I can't let you out because you'll die. But if I stay in here, I'll die. Oh. That's true. Well, you can just shoot me across. Well, you'll die because you won't get there in enough time and then you won't be able to open the door. Well, you can open the door. I'm not allowed to do that, but I'll die if you don't. (laughs) That's true. So it's agreed. You will open this jet, like I will jump across. You will open that side and let me in. Yes. That whole leap of logic of her talking to the computer, that was probably my favorite scene out of this entire episode. That was my favorite scene because that's just like you outsmarted a computer. Like, okay. <laughs> Use that Vulcan logic. <laughs> but that also means that it wasn't very secure. But I'm glad she was able to get out though. Yeah. But from there, she went straight to the bridge. Yes. Because that showed her dedication to Starfleet. Like she could have escaped at that point. And got into an escape pod and left. Instead, she went to the bridge to still fight for the crew. But the door to the bridge should not have opened for her. <laughs> things were the ship was falling apart. I don't think the, I think the computer was just you know having an off day. The ship was falling apart. The ship was like computer to open up the door to the bridge. Okay, <laughs> move on. <laughs> like at this point, Michael is outsmarting some people, so she probably tricked the computer again to let her in. <laughs> Um, but I did like that she went back to the bridge. Like she did have that chance to escape. And instead she went to the bridge and was like, Captain, you can't kill the Klingon guy because if you do, you'll make him a martyr and they'll never stop. The Klingons will use that as a reason to forever fight. You have to take him prisoner. And I love that she was willing to one, sacrifice herself when if it was gonna come down to it, she offered to be the person to do that. And then she still went with the captain and the captain still trusted her. 
And that's where I love that little push and pull of their relationship, because even though the captain know that she did a mutiny, the captain knew what she did was illegal, but why she did it was for a good reason. And then she even went to go ahead and say that, um, well, I will say when the captain was sort of like saying, how could you do that? I thought like, I, I thought you cared about the crew, but really your Vulcan heritage overtook. And she was like, I did what I did for the crew because I wanted to protect them. And I just love that push and pull, which is why I really don't want to believe that Giorgio's dead because you had that beautiful, beautiful relationship between the two women. And I want that. I wanted that. Like, how often do you have that? Two women in charge. Not in another Star Trek franchise series that I can think of. And like, I you had that right there. And it, it was a real relationship of not just them being one, not being catty, not being best friends, but like actually being two people who have mutual respect for each other and were able to argue, were able to understand while you did something wrong, I understand why you did it. It was still wrong, but like, it was just a real relationship, a, a true respect. They had really good respect for each other. And I just, it's gone because they killed my girl. <laughs> so they had time to talk about their feelings. They did. And then back over to the Klingon artifact mm -hmm. and uh well actually they had time to change their clothes so <laughs> and it's tv it's movie it's tv magic <laughs> for a battle on the Klingon. it was just the two of them i'm surprised that Giorgio wanted to go because normally your captain doesn't go mm -hmm. on a risky trip like that and um, and then Michael straight out of the brig went over as well. So the two of them out to um... oh, let's also talk about Giorgio being the um, how smart she was being when she put the bomb on the dead Klingon. Yes, with Saru, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because mm -hmm. that was a that like she sort of did what they did to her blew them from like surprised right. them right that was sort of sort of kind of it's a reach but sort of kind of like a trojan horse like yeah. it wasn't a, but like here we're gonna plant something so it can explode from within as mm -hmm. they were like tractor breed to bring in their um the clinton bee they're all they're dead yeah they're dead. see yeah. this is why once you die you shouldn't don't don't risk nothing for someone who's dead they should have left. They should have left. You don't risk crap for people who are dead. It's their culture. I get that. I get that. But you see what happened? They died. Their ship got blown into two because of what they did. So now they lost more people. You can't do anything for people who are dead, Klingons. Like, I understand. I understand. But you see what happened? Their ship exploded. I mean, granted, I'm happy that there's more of them. Like, I'm on, you know, Star I'm on Michael's side. Let's be honest. I'm on Michael's side at this point. Starfleet. We got to talk Starfleet. But, like, Michael, I'm on her side. And I'm happy more clean than that. Why they were over there? Why did hmm? they go to that other ship? Why did they oh, go to get the leader of the Klingons. 
to get to have him as a prisoner because if they killed him he would be a martyr but if they were able to capture him and keep him as a prisoner and make him seem much more and make him seem weak in the eyes of the other Klingons it may like break up their resolve and the 24 houses were like split but if they were all coming together under him and he died for their cause well, we need to keep going for him because, you know, he was our martyr. He was our leader and we need to avenge him. But if you make him seem weak, which the Klingons don't like weak people, um, like, hey, we were able, like he tried to do this whole big battle and we still captured him and he's our prisoner now. It makes him look weak in their eyes. And so for that, um, it would be a better way of keeping him, it'd be a better way of stopping the fight by making their leader look weak versus making him a martyr for the cause, which still happened. Right. And they took the ultimate risk, Starfleet, because they lost George O. Yeah. And Michael was devastated. And you could see, it was very interesting because in that moment when George O died and Saru was trying to bring Michael back she told him not to because she wasn't going to leave the captain behind and I feel like that went against all of her Vulcan teaching yes because logically right she's dead you can't do anything for her I except keep her body but like don't they just shoot them out into space anyway so like anyway um I was thinking yeah, that was like reduce the amount of closure that she has. That's true. And the rest of the trip, the rest of the crew with their whole like just thinking, does she have to go? I think it's just gonna be hard to transition without their captain. I mean, they had to also abandon ship too. Right. We saw we saw all the little Starfleet. So and then now Episode two ends with Michael accepting all of her charges and going to prison for life. And so now I'm just like, hold on, this is episode two. Are we about to do another time jump? Because again, people, I haven't actually seen anything past this episode. So I don't know what's going to happen next. But like the fact that she went, she was stripped of rank and she's in prison to like, I'm excited to see what's going to happen next because who's going to save her? Because the Admiral's dead. Giorgio's dead. Unless Giorgio's not dead. I don't know. Don't tell me. Well, we left with Saru stating that he couldn't find vital signs. Oh, that's true. That's true. Sadness. See, look, there was my wishful thinking to help the dead. See, I, 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 I broke my own rule. I think imprisonment is the worst for everyone, but I can't imagine a Vulcan in prison. Like, I, I don't know. Well, I a human Vulcan. Right. I, I should say Michael. I can't imagine Michael being constrained. Like, she was trying to talk the computer out of the bridge. How is she? <laughs> I, or out of the <laughs> I, I feel like when she accepted it it looked look in her eye was like defeat of like she lost her captain 
even though I will say this and keep until I'm proven wrong on the show, Mike, everyone else was wrong in this instance, but Michael. She was correct. And yet she's the one who's being punished. And I get that she broke the rules. I get that she broke the rules. But it's like Starfleet. She tried to tell you guys, you have to attack first. No one wanted to listen. And because no one wanted to listen, you lost so many people and you lost your admiral. And she's going to prison for being right because of how she went about being right. But still, she's going to prison for being right. And I just, that's like another like slap in the face when it comes for her. Because she was correct. She should have did, like, she was correct. And yet she's going to prison. So because no one wanted to leave her. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where we go from here with the series because she started this war. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> but she also could have, she tried to end it too. And she started it on accident. Yeah. yeah. She started it on accident because she didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And then she tried to end it before it started and no one wanted to listen to her. And I will die on that hill. <laughs> and she's tried it several times. It's mm-hmm. just now she's restrained. A lot of people are dead. A lot of equipment's gone. Like ships are gone. It's um, Good people are gone. Right. The relationship between Starfleet and the Klingons ever yeah so it's a it was a great second episode it was a great second episode episode one and two they um they did a really good job and I cannot wait to see where the rest of the season goes um because I mean I've seen previews for like all the other episodes so I know eventually she gets out it is a question of when and where and who does it and why but it's like also I wonder how much time elapsed between her going to prison and her um being taken out so it's very I'm excited I'm but also like wondering like who, who like who bends the rules for her like who is that person that bends the rules for her because that's why she like or who's gonna break the rules I guess for her because I would think if you're stripped of your rank and in jail for life like not even like 10 years like life for you to get out someone had to pull some strings and then whatever it was was not completely legal because otherwise I don't think you would have been sent to jail so I'm very um very interested to see who does that who's pulled and like are they doing it for a right reason? Do they have their own like agenda when it comes to the Klingons? Because I'm guessing the only reason they would get her out would be for the Klingons to like help defeat them. Like, so what's their agenda? Can she trust them? Will she forgive herself over what happened to Giorgio, even though that wasn't her fault? Because again, they should have listened to her. Like, what happens to Saru? Do we like does he realize that she was correct? Does he stand on her side? There's so much more that I I won't know until the day before we record the next episode. <laughs> Where's USS Discovery? <laughs> yes. <laughs> is that the person who saves her? <laughs> or is the captain of that ship the person who saves her? 
Does she have to work her way back up? Does she go back at this? I'm just, there's so many questions. But that's the sign of a good series, I think. I know. That's a, a good, yeah. yeah, a good, like, debut. Mm-hmm. We're interested in more. I'm sure you're going to see a lot of comments with spoilers. We're going to try not to. And it's hard to even see the advertising and the commercials for the current episodes. And we're going to try not to watch ahead, but it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> so very hard, people. Sure that there's more to come. That's why I only watch it the day before we record. It's that way I'm not tempted to watch more. <laughs> I don't watch this until like eight o'clock the day before. So that way I'm just like, okay. I know it's happening, but I don't have time to watch the rest of the season so I can be strong. But yeah, I'm very excited. And I think this is going to be, like I think I said it maybe last episode, that I think this is going to be an amazing series. And I'm happy that we're already on season four. And I'm hoping we get at least like five to 10 seasons out of this. Because I feel like you, they're not going to be able to really tell a story without at least five seasons. And then if they can get to 10, it'll be even better because that means we'll be doing this forever and ever. Because I, I mean, eventually I know they have to stop before Kirk starts because those stories can't really overlap. So I'm hoping we can get to at least that point to where like they end and then Star Trek begins, the, what we are used to for Star Trek. Um, or if they're spinoffs, similar to what happened years ago or so mm-hmm. I'm excited <laughs> so I hear that you have a Star Trek fun fact Andre did you know that it costs between 8 and 8.5 million dollars to make each episode a Star Trek discovery I did not know that that is actually pretty interesting that is very expensive yes, yes. oh my god I mean, it makes sense because like everything we're seeing is basically CGI. So it's like, okay, you got to make the ships happen. You got to make space happen. You got to make the Klingon makeup. You got to make all the little, like when you have your little, when they have like little communicators and the body comes up, like all of that costs money, but dang, that's a lot. But like not really, but yes. It's actually, Hmm. Well, I guess it will be interesting to see if it will continue to go up or if it will go down or if it will taper off and just be about the same amount each episode because I don't, I just can't, I just don't, I just, that's a lot of money. Now I like that to be in my pocket. <laughs> it's farther than I could ever imagine. And um, hats off to the production company. And I can see why, though, it's offered um, on a premium streaming network um, because it's so expensive. It's free with, free with advertising. On yeah. That is very true. That's probably why it's strictly on the streaming service. Hmm. Equivalent to the cost of lectures. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we have discussed everything that comes for episode two. What do you think? Yes. So guys, remember to follow us. Remember to subscribe. Remember to click that little red button on YouTube and the follow button on whatever podcast episode you follow us on. 
Thank you for connecting in and watching our episode. We are looking forward to seeing you next time. I'm Anika Pinkett. I'm Andrea and live long and prosper. Ha, ha, ha.